Hello and welcome to the Four Pillars podcast. My name is Ollie Metcalf and today I'll be leading a discussion on how it is that we should make ethical decisions. This week I'm delighted to be joined by three of our upper sixth formers, Charlie, Charles and Gwillem, as well as by our school's chaplain, Reverend Charlie Maloney. Let's get started. Charlie, Charles, Gwillem, chaplain, thank you for joining me. Perhaps we could start by having a discussion on how we define what an ethical decision is. Well, I think what divides ethical theories and whether or not ethics uh, can come to a practical conclusion is whether is when you focus on whether ethics is made focusing on the ends or whether it is the action itself which determines right or wrong. And I think... Uh, looking towards the end is always a better decision in hindsight. But I think for humans, this is impractical, impractical uh, since we don't have that benefit from in our day-to-day life. I think as well, there's another element whereby an ethical decision is a decision which has a direct impact on the well-being of another person's life. And then we could obviously extend that to include the environment or different aspects but it's a decision which, through its consequences, and I know we're not saying here we define it by its consequences necessarily, as Charles just said, but through the consequences of the decision that's made, that adjusts how other people are impacted and their lives are affected. Um, I think it's obvious that this question has been been attempted to be answered for, like, for many, many, many years. but. I think if we look to some sources like um, like Christianity, there is a sort of sense of uh, that as humans we are uh, we are we are intrinsically bad beings. I think ethical decisions are a sort of uh, attempt of an escape of these uh, of these bad sort of tendencies, in an attempt to go against what is naturally wrong about us and do good in the world. I think we we picked up on slightly about the perspective of other people. And I think it's a lot easier to condemn people as being intrinsically sinful, as I've said, with the benefit of hindsight. And I think for ethics, the issue between consequences and uh, the intentions is really what separates the debate, since you can have very good intentions leading to uh, unfavorable moral outcomes. And it's about how we reconcile the two and try to work past that. If you look at the intentions, though, if you look at Christianity, how can you judge whether your decision is ethical based on your intentions? If you, if we are naturally fallen, how can you trust your intentions at all? Well, I think that's uh, a question that a lot of theologians have wrestled with, particularly uh, Augustine and Aquinas. So Aquinas is uh, real and apparent good, as you've mentioned. Our reason may be flawed as a result of the fall. But I think as we progress uh, in society, there are general rules that we're coming to understand far better. And I think in terms of the intentions, that can only be the, t- the, t- the determination of a moral uh, decision because it's not possible for us to predict the consequences of every action that we take. But are you saying... An ethical decision is a decision which is only focused on intentions. I think it has to be. What about outcome? 
in terms of what it produces. Uh, the well, obviously, the outcome's important, but I think if you're going into something with a bad intention, that, regardless of the outcome it produces, that can be said to be unethical. So, if you look at the trolley debate. Your intention, either way, is to cause the death of another. That is a bad intention. But if the product is you save more people than you kill, then that's a good product. So you can have bad intentions, but have a good result. I think you're misrepresenting the intentions there. Your intention could be to save lives, but your intention is also to take another. By virtue of the fact that you're trying to save lives, that's what the difficulty of weighing up the decision may be. Because, as you've said, it may. Be the case that in intending, it was sort of the doctrine of double effect. In intending to save a life, other lives are compromised. But you can't have a look back and say, "Well, was that the right the right decision?" And that's why the intention is the focus of an ethical decision. If you look at Kant, who was also very focused on intentions, he would say that the value of a human life was so great that you can't do anything to endanger that. So by doing that, surely. You look at your bad intentions because by stepping away, you cause the death of more than you would save. Well, th- that comes onto another interesting point about whether uh, non-action is an ethical uh, is part of the ethical dimension. By not acting, can I be said to be more moral than by making a decision that, with hindsight, seems to be unpalatable by some people? But if we focus on that intention, I think if you Begin to unpack it in a sense from a psychological aspect, whereby we then our understanding of the thought processes that go on when any human makes a decision. Then actually, intentions, whilst I agree with you, Charles, that they should be part of what is assessed and to come to the conclusion whether that decision may be have been an ethical one or not. I think there's another element, but whereby you know, what do we mean by an ethical decision? Well, actually, intentions aren't the only thing that are important to bring into what is an ethical decision. Because I, you know, it might be my intention um, to make a cup of coffee, and I make a cup of tea because someone left a tea bag in my cup, but that's not ethical. So actually, an ethical decision isn't something that's based on intentions, although intentions are a very important part of it. Well, I think in terms of ethical decision making, when you're trying to weigh up two different outcomes, I don't. I think, say, if we take the example of a child uh, whose whose life is in danger, I would find it hard to say that you're saving. A child's life would not be a good moral act. I think we can all agree that that is a good moral act. But if it turns out to be the case that the child grows up to become an evil dictator, I don't think that changes the fact that your original action was a good one. But then you're bringing in morality and ethics, and the two obviously have a huge overlap. But I, again, I would say there's a slight difference, and that whilst I think intentions. Might be arguably what should define a good ethical decision. That doesn't help us answer the question of what an ethical decision is. I think I'd probably agree with Charles more on the fact that、um, 
it is the, it, the intention is very, very important. I think if we sort of look at the outcome and disregard the intention completely, then we look at a situation in where we do things by any means necessary. And in history, these sort of this sort of thinking is what turns nations and, and continents upside down. I mean, look at look at World War Two and uh, the advancement of the German war machine. It, it was it was take the take the continents by any means necessary. I think without the without looking at the intention, I think the ter in terms of making an ethical decision, I don't think it's possible. Um, whilst we shouldn't disregard the uh, the outcome and ignore that it exists, I do think there should be more of a focus um, to back up Charles's point on the intention as opposed to the outcome. But if you're looking at medical ethics and we're saying, you know, can we? bring you know can we allow this within modern medicine then actually the problem when you're trying to make that ethical decision you have a committee saying yes or no this practice should be allowed that you actually have different intentions within different mindsets so then how um, the issue is an ethical decision is being made but actually the intentions are just i would say an aside from that I would just add on to that. If you look solely at intentions, do you not think that could be used to justify shortcomings? Well, I've, as I've said, the intentions are more likely to produce an unpalatable moral act. But I think that's the same with focusing too heavily on the consequences because we can't predict what the consequence of every moral action would be. And so I think it's more about the character of the individual and trying to and their intention to work towards uh, an ethical conclusion but then are you saying charles that a decision is ethical if the intentions are good i believe so but i would say that then is different to what is an ethical decision because i think that i agree that it's perhaps easier to define through intentions than consequences and i and sympathetic to that approach but i think that's a slightly different element of the question because it's also the you know to what extent are we free to make a decision which could be said to have good intentions that logic of looking at intentions has been used to justify some appalling acts of genocide across history I mean, like Hitler, Khmer Rouge, that was all based on the good intentions or the apparent good intentions of a leader. I'm not saying that our intentions say that it's a good moral act, because I don't think Hitler ever had good intentions. He had selfish intentions and he had intentions that, when we look at it, were clearly wrong. But then who's to say what are good intentions? Well, then you're drifting the argument into the realms of are there subjective or objective moral truths. And I think uh, in terms of an ethical decision, there's always going to be a line to draw between the two. I think if we look at more sort of current affairs, sort of, um, it's, I mean, it is a good example to look at historical uh, evidence, uh, like you mentioned with Hitler and, and uh, the Second World War. But if we look at sort of more if we mentioned medical ethics, if we jump back to medical, medical ethics for a second, I think if we were to, um, if we were to use an example of a patient who is terminally ill and is unlikely to recover, um, I think many of us here would agree that 
on face value, killing is an unethical, uh, an unethical practice. But I think content, I think with the content and the context and the intentions of killing a person who will be suffering for a long time, I think then that's when making an ethical decision based on the intentions is has more has more strengths than if you were to just focus on the conclusion. I agree in that essence that or that element of ethics that the intentions in terms of let's for argument's sake call it murder are really important in defining whether that's ethical or not. But if you then turn it around and maybe the answer is this isn't ethical that you know if a naive 16 year old makes a decision which they believe has the right intentions but then goes on to harm people then to what extent was their decision an ethical decision and i think that's something that charlie's touched on but you know if those intentions are well-meaning but that person has been really poorly informed through their upbringing or through their experiences to what extent are they culpable and i think that is an ethical decision and, but you can't say it's a good ethical decision if they've been ill-informed and despite you know naively having good intentions i think in that case we sort of we may forget that ethics is it's not a set of what is right and what is wrong ethics molds itself into different shapes and can be interpreted in different ways so to say that having a, doing an action with a good intention but having a bad outcome whilst if we we may sit around this table and say oh well that would be a bad thing if we were to look at the context of what would ha- of what has happened then maybe if we were to be sat here and pretending to be a court we may see it as uh, as justified or or may, maybe not but i think there there are two sides of the coin to argue here but if you look at what you just said you said that morality is something that is in tune with with the time and with context it molds itself into the views of the day so that means that what is acceptable today might not be acceptable tomorrow and what was acceptable 50 years ago isn't now so how can you use that as a reliable basis to move forward it also means i'm constrained by the ethics of my time and i can't rise above it not necessarily because i think i believe that um as we've seen in the past we need a steadfast place to move forward from Whilst we may know that our ethics today may not be as complete as it is tomorrow, that's not to say that our ethics today is completely, we should completely disregard it as, as unusable. We need a point to where to move forward, and I don't see an issue with using the ethics we know today to do so. Should we be held responsible for the ethical decisions we make? I think there are a combination of factors which determine our accountability because it sort of relies on whether or not you think humanity is worth more than just being uh, a bunch of cells. I think it also matters whether or not we have free will and whether our decisions are entirely our own and to what extent uh, there are external factors that guide our decisions so are we inherently selfish or do we have the choice to rise above our base humanity i'd add to that last point by adding in mills harm principle i think that forms a lot of the basis for the consequences i mean if it's not harming anyone then i don't think 
there can be too much too many consequences for your actions but if there is i think that's when the consequences start i think we should be held accountable for um our ethical decisions but that's not to say that all these ethical decisions should be seen in a bad way um for example i do think that winston churchill should be held responsible uh, held accountable to the fact that he we, that he did not act upon some of the information we received from breaking the Enigma code. But I don't, again, I don't think that, that is in, in itself a bad thing because the outcome led to the, to, to the victory of World War II. So I think that actually the outcome of what happens from making the decision should be held accountable, but maybe not the process itself. I would actually disagree with Charlie. He said that... Um... Uh, if an action is taken that doesn't harm anyone, then it uh, is not wrong. But I, I disagree. I think even if uh, you're completely isolated and making an ethical decision that has no direct consequences, I think an action can be wrong, whatever the, the effects it may have. If you're taking that point, then you go into the objective moral truths and say that nothing... Well, I would argue that nothing would be wrong in of itself, but the impact on others makes it wrong. So that, but that would uh, by default mean that we must be held accountable for our actions, whether or not they produce harm. You must be held accountable whether or not they affect the people around you. If there's no one around you, then there's no reason to be held accountable. In fact, there's no way to be held accountable. But there is in terms of whether or not an action is good or not, because if an action is, is wrong, and you do that regardless of what uh, impact it has on people, surely the responsibility lies on you. Yeah, if you're making that decision in the context of other people, if it affects other people, then you could argue that you need to be held accountable for your actions. But if it is solely affecting you and no one else, then it is up to you to determine whether it is right or wrong. But does our character not matter? Well, our character may influence that. But if you look at like um, atheists and if you look at other people who argue that characters determine on the person and determine on our biological desires, then that decides what is right or wrong for us. For me, saying that there is a nature of us which means we cannot alter our character is just, is just uh, inconceivable and incompatible with an ethical theory. I think... Uh, in terms of drawing the distinction between religious people and atheism. I think Augustine puts it nicely in that uh, he, he believes we are tainted by original sin, but he doesn't uh, exclude the possibility that we can work to alleviate it from ourselves. Just to come back to Charlie's point very quickly, does that mean, for example, if you were a bigot in your own home, that is not unethical? I'm not saying that bigotry is acceptable in a societal context, but if you, um, <laughs> those views, a lot of the people there inherited from a group, you don't, you're not born with them. You are misguided in your interpretation of them. So if you're in your own home and you're not imposing the view on other people, you're not contributing to its growth, you're keeping it to yourself. It's not, it's not, it's not moral, but it's not immoral at the same time. Surely we, recognize that something is immoral based on the actions that it produces in a societal context. Yes, but this isn't in a societal context. This is an isolation. Yes, but you've 
got those ideas and we know they are wrong by how people have acted not in isolation. We've only known societal. We don't know isolation. In terms of moral theories, everything is based as a societal contract. Nothing is based in isolation. If I was to kind of pose a thought experiment of, of some kind, if there was only one person on the earth, could that person be unethical? If it was, un well, there's no other people to be unethical to. He could be unethical to the world itself. He could be unethical to the wildlife. He could be unethical to nature. But in terms of bigotry, that's not unethical because there's no one else to be affected by that. Okay, m maybe maybe the, the thought of the earth. The, f the first person on Mars, can that person be unethical? Unethical to Martians. If there is such a thing. <laughs> I mean, can I jump in here? I think there's an element whereby when we're talking about making an ethical decision and Charles and Charlie have brought out a really important aspect of this whereby it's the impact on others. And there's that difficulty, isn't there, whether there is some objective morality. And I think this is where the two slightly beginning to get uh, blurred but actually, I would say, if you are holding something that is, you know, perhaps an unethical view in the privacy of your own thoughts, not even just in your own home, just in your own mind, I think very much that person, if they're countering that in their actions, that's the ethical decision. And the ethical decision has then, has then been made. Of course, there's an element whereby you could say those things are objectively wrong. But to bring in something that Charles mentioned earlier as well about free will and, and talking about it in a religious context, but if you look at it from a more secular point of view and maybe take Jung's unconscious mind, then saying you know, we are all influenced by our upbringing. We are all influenced by the way and the shape that our brain is. And there will be aspects which we have to uh, go against. So actually, you know, if that person is bigoted in their own mind or their own home, then th I think there has to be an element whereby we're saying, well, what has led to those thoughts? And it's unlikely that those thoughts have come without influence. And so actually, I think that's perhaps unhelpful to say, oh, that view is wrong that it has to be the acting on that view, because that's where we have a choice. And and I think we are, you know, to an extent free. Well, it was it was Wittgenstein who said that uh, a wheel that turns, though nothing else moves with it, is not part of the mechanism. And by that, he's saying that we may have thoughts, but they do not determine our, con our actions. And therefore, it doesn't mean that our mind can be inherently in unethical and that our thoughts don't actually matter and i think that although i think in some ways that's correct because as we've uh, touched upon there is an extent to which our humanity is not determined by us uh, evolutionary or uh, tainted by original sin uh, but i think as we've mentioned before ethics is trying to overcome that and i think if we are able to move towards an ethical state, 
I think it does actually have to begin with our thoughts. Would that mean that um, would that mean that if if we do conclude that uh, holding unethical, well, what we call unethical views in private is unethical, would that mean that that every person would not allow to have their own individual views? I mean, for example, we could we one could argue that racism is an opinion. It is the opinion that white people are supreme to black people or vice versa would that then mean that opinion itself is that unethical i think that relates back to charles's point if you want everyone to be effectively thinking the same thing you've got to affect the thoughts of generations it's not something that just can be applied it's not something you can't just flip a switch and make everyone ethical instantly yeah but not at all because Ethics is constantly adapting. We're constantly changing our perception of what is right and wrong. But I think it's problematic to say that racism is not wrong if uh, racism or any thought is wrong by virtue of the fact that everyone agrees that it is wrong. Racism is not wrong because people agree that it's wrong. It's wrong by virtue of the fact that it denies humanity and is therefore an unethical action or a thought thinking racist thoughts. But what if I dream it? Well, I think <laughs> a dream, I think for a dream, it's something obviously that you can't control. And I think that a dream actually, it's without, uh, without being too knowledgeable on dreams, a dream is within our conscious state, but it can be determined by things that we have no control over and actions by other people. So you could see someone being racist and dream about yourself being racist. So I don't think dreams come into the equation at all. But then can't you extrapolate that to thoughts? In some sense, but I think the thoughts we're talking about are the uh, meditated upon and the, the thoughts that you've come to a conclusion upon. Yeah, but if you look at, go back to dreams, if you look at Freud, Freud thought dreams were an expression of subconscious thought that was an informed view it's it was an expression of things you wouldn't normally think about but have considered quite widely i think that's certainly true and i uh, don't know too much about psychology but i, I think a, a subconscious thought is formed on the basis of uh, your life and your experiences but i think it's too it's too abstract to uh, say that in a in a dreaming state that we can be unethical. I'd agree with Charles. Um, I don't I don't really think that subconscious thought or I mean in fact dreaming have um, that much of an impact on whether or not we should be held accountable for the fact that we are unethical. Um, and I think I think to back up Charles's point on the fact that it's the it's the environment around us that influences our subconscious. I do not think for a second that anybody is born racist or bigoted. I think that these these views are, as we have discussed, they are grown in, a, in an environment which promotes them and may then embed themselves into the subconscious of those who receive them. I don't think, um, I don't think you know, people should be punished on the fact that they think of murdering someone or they, they, they think of joining a, a, a racist organization because I think that I think that that is a part of what makes us human. It is the, the consideration 
of both sides of the coin and thinking what is right about this what is wrong so i think that to think on action and not act upon it i don't think can be held accountable for punishment so where would you stand on the john venables case to what extent did the other children who murdered him think about what they were doing i think john venables is a is an interesting case because because you know many psychiatrists have looked at the, the brain chemistry or the thought process of John Venables and have concluded that we, we, we don't really know what happened. It's in his own mind um, in, which, in which he decided to act upon killing a small child. And I think he has been rightfully punished for the fact that he has acted upon this action. But I don't think that the fact that a child the fact that a child has thought about killing someone or uh, thought, thought about, you know, planning on to kill someone, I don't think that's punishable insofar as the fact that he actually carried out the deed with no motivation, well, no, no apparent motivation. Yeah, and it's hard to stomach, but that act was wrong. And it's whether or not, because we can, obviously we can't encourage killing and so it's hard to draw a line but you have to say that there are things that are not acceptable within our society and the punishments can be determined by the age but the goodness of an action doesn't depend on the age of the person but i think there's another element whereby i'm not questioning whether it's wrong and i'm glad charles has come to that conclusion that (laughs) it's wrong Um, But actually, to come back to it, is it ethical? And as we looked at before, or Mr. Metcalf questioned, you know, does it depend on the circumstance? And I think this is almost, you know, a really important aspect of the debate whereby the circumstances do change. And, you know, what we understand changes around us. And... Uh, Gwilym was talking about punishment, and I think that's important because that's part of the societal structure. But in terms of, you know, ethically, then I think there are, you know, different aspects to which something is ethical or not ethical. And I think that's what makes it so hard to determine, you know, when we make an ethical decision, it partly depends on us. And then that depends on the influences upon us and our state of mind and our ability to reason, um, which comes back, you know, full circle to those different normative theories that actually where does reason or consequences fit in? And unsurprisingly, I don't feel we've solved a millennial problem. I think it's really, it's a really difficult issue because then you're beginning to wonder whether people who can reason more effectively have the capacity to be better moral agents or the capacity to be a better person. And I think it comes down to, I mean, we're all in the same boat, we're all humans, but there are instances in which some people will make the better ethical choice. Charlie, Charles, Gwilym, Chaplin, thank you.
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Four Pillars podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please do join us next time for yet more theological, philosophical and ethical discussion. Goodbye.